Let's go. You're listening to Making Data Simple, where we make the world of data effortless, relevant, and yes, even fun. Hey folks, welcome back to Making Data Simple. Al Martin here. This is where we learn about data, we learn about AI, we have a good time. Speaking of having a good time, I have Simon Lightstone here, co-managing partner at Levion Partners. Hey, Simon, how are you doing, man? Hey, great to be here. Hey, Al. Yeah, you're the ultimate partier, are you not? <laughs> a little bit? Yeah, a little. No, you don't, you don't sound very confident. Yeah, I think I'm the ultimate party. Part, the partier, not party. I don't think uh, you're the ultimate party, party, but you're the ultimate partier. Yeah, if you if you think if partying is cold calling and coding, then I am <laughs> the ultimate partier. <laughs> Look. We got a whole new set of listeners, I think, and they probably didn't hear you. I mean, I was looking back, and I think we had you on, I don't know, around 45. You're the 45th guest originally, and we talked about everything. We talked about you being a startup guy, an entrepreneur, coder, uh, and grilled oh, yeah. cheeses. Yeah, I love talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so I'm just going to go out and say it. Among all your technical exploits in your starting new businesses, you also write a lot of blogs. And one of the blogs was grilled cheese lovers have more sex. So no wonder you like grilled cheese. It's still working out for you, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's my secret. Well, you can't reveal it. That's my that's my secret. You, you know, revealed it. You weapon. you created the blog. <laughs> well, that's true. Yes. Let, let me tell you, it's not working for me, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you just have to have more grilled cheese. You know, you've got. We'll work on it. We'll we'll get a certain caloric intake, and uh, I'm telling you, all those facts are are definitely you know are definitely true. You, you know why? It's because I like the old-fashioned grilled cheese where it's just grilled cheese, but it, it's like it, two pieces of bread and the old, what, a Velveeta squares, which my wife says, hey, that's not even real cheese. And I said, what do you mean it's not real cheese? It's, it's real cheese. She goes, it's like manufactured cheese. I said, all cheese is manufactured. It doesn't matter. She goes, well, it's just not good for you. I said, well, that's what I like. That's what we're going to eat. So I guess that's why. It doesn't work for me. I'm here with entrepreneur uh, Simon Lightstone who is the co-managing partner of Levion uh, Partners. Uh, he's had previous businesses, IQ Storage, which is a cloud backup company. Um, then he blessed IBM with his presence. He came in and, and did a lot of good stuff at IBM, had a few laughs, uh, helped work with uh, the best database in the world, which is uh, IBM DB2 on cloud, and then uh, decided, hey, look, he had too many laughs, and so you're back out starting new businesses and, and having a good time. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I, I really did love my time at IBM and, uh, you know, it was a great company, but you know, I wanted to, uh, you know, try my, uh, luck again while I was still sort of young enough and had energy to acquire something very big. And it's, yeah, it's a new sort of adventure. You know, I'm looking to acquire a business, which is at least 2 million in net profit per year. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not like a small startup model. It's, it's uh, thinking big. And that's it. That's the, you know, me and my partner, Elvin, uh, are basically out there doing that. Describe that business a, a little bit better for our, our listeners. Right. So I'll, I'll start at the beginning. So so first of all, how does this tie into AI? Because I'm sure that, that a lot of people want to hear that. And what we're trying to do is find a more traditional business or lack of a better word, you know, uh, legacy style business and uh, modernize that using AI. Right, in order to increase both the revenue and the value of the business, right? Uh, so that means you know, I'll give an example. Suppose we buy a very big accounting firm, right? We can then you know automate, say, the bookkeeping. Uh, we could then uh, you know use digital marketing. We could take this traditional accounting firm, which was healthy and growing in its own right, 
and then grow it even faster and create even more profit uh, by injecting AI. And then uh, afterwards, on top of that, not only have we increased the actual revenue of the accounting firm and made it more efficient, but we've also transformed that into a technology company. So the valuation on that, uh, like the, the valuation on that company will be higher, right? Accounting companies typically go for about one to 1.5 times revenue. You know, if it's a technology based system where you have like AI accounting where your bookkeeping is say done automatically, then your multiple is also going to increase. So not only are we increasing just the revenue from the natural growth and from adding technology, but we're also increasing the sales multiple. And then, you know, the hope is that after five to seven years of growing this thing, then we uh, exit the company and, you know, make a big pile of money for us and our investors. That's the master plan. Wow. All right. So first of all, (laughs) let me say that we miss you at IBM. And uh, we miss that growth mindset and that startup uh, mentality, uh, even though we have others that, that have it as well. But uh, you certainly brought that. Obviously, you, uh, folks can tell with your, your lead in there. So now you're in the business, which is, which is interesting. You're in a business of acquiring other businesses. Yeah. Yeah. More specifically, we're, we're in the business of acquiring one very special business, as we like to say. Um, you know, and that's kind of our starting point. That's correct. So you're still looking. Yeah, yeah. So we're in the, we're deep in the search process. We found a few candidates, but you know these are you know these aren't like small businesses that are making like two hundred fifty k or whatever. They're uh, you know a company that's actually making a clean net of two to five million. Uh, you're talking about you know these are typically they'll make like twenty million in revenue or forty million in revenue, and then the net profit at the end of the day will be two to five million. So these are kind of complicated transactions, and and we've got a few in play, but you know it takes a long time to uh, to get through due diligence and to and to even you know work out a price and negotiate and that sort of thing. Yes, all all businesses looking to be sold and. Uh... I mean, I, I presume you're venture capital funded. Well, that's one thing that we're we're here to talk about. So we're pretty early stage there. We do have so before I had even closed some of my first investment units, but that happened pretty quick. We have one institutional investor on board. We have three others who are very familiar with this space, uh, sort of like smaller, slightly smaller but faster. Um, and we're still selling investment units, right? So, uh, so you know, anybody who wants to invest, actually, it's uh, sort of like we're investing, a, looking for like a, a seed investment. Um, uh, but we have the backing now to acquire a company, uh, like we have the more, most important sort of fundamental investors in play. Um, and so now what we're looking at is for people who are willing to like kind of invest in our seed in return for, for, uh, uh, like a payout, right. I'll, I'll back that up by saying, uh, these sorts of things where you go to acquire a company, it's called a search fund. And the first stage of a search fund is that you uh, basically raise a bit of capital, about $500,000, to provide living expenses, the cost of due diligence, and so forth, right? And then afterwards, you go back to those investors as well as other institutional investors. So you need some good institutional investors in the mix. And when you find that company, you've passed due diligence, you're sure this is the right one, you're marrying that company, then those big investors uh, will actually provide, you know, more closer to the millions range to actually purchase the company, right? So there's two stages. First, the 500k seed, which is sort of living expenses, cost of accountings, and proper formal due diligence. And the second phase is uh, taking those investors and then also talking to some institutional private equity firms who will actually fund the acquisition. Uh, so, so we kind of are doing this in reverse. You know, whenever you go to fundraise, it never ends up the way you want. 
we actually have a pretty solid list of people who will back us to do the acquisition. But we actually, you know, in terms of selling these other units, which we figured would be, you know, a lower priority because it wouldn't kill the deal if we didn't have them, we haven't sold all these small units, which give us a runway. Uh, so that means, yes, I, I am, you know, burning into my savings along with my partner, but we luckily sort of planned for this. So, you know, you know, we'd very much like to close that runway. But if we don't close it, then we're, we're probably going to, at this stage, I'd say we're probably going to be okay and we'll just not close that 500K uh, seed, right? All right, hold, hold on. Slow down for the slower section. That would be me. And the question I have is, first step is you create a search fund. Yes? Yeah. And that search fund is made up of investment units or seed investments, as right, you would yeah. call them? Right. So, so first thing you do is you decide to, that you're going to search, right? And then you say, okay, I am going to, then traditionally in a search fund, you raise about 500K-ish in what they call search capital. Right? But is that all in investment units? Yes. So that is in 12 invest. In our case, that's 12 investment units of uh, $43,000 US each, right? So 12, typically 12 investors will each buy, spend $43,000 to fund our search. What's the return on investment on that? I mean, how, how, how does that equate to you know, a, a piece of the company or otherwise? I mean, what, so how does it work? Great question. So we actually have an infographic, which we will we'll put on our website, which we built. But uh, basically what happens is once we acquire that business, then anybody who invested in the original search gets a 50% top-up of equity. So suppose you bought $43,000, right? You, you bought one unit for $43,000. Then when we actually close the company, we assign those people who took that extra risk of investing in our search with another 50%, so about $65,000 of equity in this very large company, right? Put in a 43K, now I own 65K of this, you know, private company. What's the big deal? What do, how do I actually make the exit? Well, keep in mind that, you know, unlike a startup, we're actually, me and my partner are only going to own about 30% of this thing. It's going to be mostly about 70% investor controlled. So investors, like those who have put in that original money and others, have a very strong um, incentive to create dividends and returns very quick. So it's very likely that, you know, this company will issue dividends quickly or that it will, you know, have a very strong exit plan to, re- to provide a very high return. This, this seems very, you know, we, we talked about this before. Uh, it was quite interesting or different than the normal startup path, as you mentioned. Uh, I think, you, you know, your first company, IQ Storage Data Management, uh, what you, you did that somewhere like between 2002, 2014, and then got bought out, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I started that when I was like a teenager. I, uh, yeah. I mean, so then I would, you know, it was sold off in two chunks. Uh, one was a company, which was a direct competitor that came up and just, you know, made an offer. And I was like, okay, that sounds good. Um, there was some other IP they didn't want, which I then sold through like a business broker to avoid, you know, I didn't want to run half a business. They just didn't want 100%. They wanted the online backup part. We had two parts. So yeah, that's the story of IQ storage. Well, how do you make that transition and then go to a search fund route? Is this, uh, this when you had talked about it, I'd heard like different variations of maybe, you know, similar business scenarios, but uh, I mean that maybe that's even though what I've heard was kind of from afar. In other words, you're the first one that I know that that just reached out and did this. So how did you get, hey, we got to do this. This is how we're going to do it. We're going to create a search fund, blah blah blah. Right, good good question. So uh, and I think this is a good lesson for those who want to consider their own career because the truth is it all starts from the question, looking 20 years from now or whatever, looking back, what, where do I want to be? What do I want to have done? And what are the life experiences that I want to have? So me and a friend of mine, Elvin, he worked at Sun Life managing like a multi-billion dollar fund together with his team. 
you know, he was saying, hey, you know, we should go back on our own, do a startup. And then I said, yeah, but I actually really like IBM. You know, you manage a bigger team. Good man. Um, I, I do. And I still, you know, I still miss IBM a lot, honestly. I, I do. I miss the team. I miss. See, I miss most people, people wouldn't think of that when they're thinking of somebody that's really driven on a startup mindset, uh, an entrepreneur. But you get a lot of different of those aspects when you're, uh, you get a lot of those aspects when you're in IBM. Oh, I don't oh think yeah. People really the fact that, that I was able to work with a big team from the get-go who was highly talented and, you know, just having a bigger apparatus and culture, uh, the capability of doing more things. There's a lot of propaganda out there in the startup community about what it's really like to work for the corporate world. And the truth is that there's a lot of advantages. You know, there's, there's a lot. You don't have to wait so long until you have the resources to build big. When you come from at IBM, you know, working with a larger team, right, then going to startup mode where really for your first two or three years, you're going to be starting from zero and building up. Uh, it would be great to skip that step, right? And then buy a bigger company, which has already passed those very high risk and high, uh, high um, you know, and, and I'd say overall uh, uh, high risk and overall like riskier, slower paced steps and immediately go into a place where you have a bigger team, you have a bigger budget to work with. Now, obviously, everybody wants to do that. <laughs> the question is how. And then my partner came across this research paper on something called the search funds built in Stanford. And apparently, there's been hundreds of search funds in the United States, very rare in Canada. And what this uh, professor from Stanford said is, you know, how can we, how can we build a, a, a funding model which allows entrepreneurs to just skip the startup step and sort of uh, run a profitable business. And so he published this paper. This was in the 1980s. The 1980s had the first search funds, and they've sort of grown very slowly in popularity. A lot of people do this. There's probably maybe 10 search teams in Canada and many, many dozens of search teams in the United States. And they're guys just like me and Elvin, uh, people who say, hey, you know what, let's, let's go to a private equity firm, uh, get them to sort of sponsor us and if they can get that far then they can go out and search for a company an existing healthy company and buy it right often from somebody who's retiring like a baby boomer who is now in their retirement age how are they going to sell their business right or even a, a a tech founder who has you know or a startup founder somebody who has who's had their business for 10 20 years and now they're, they're looking to move on for whatever reason you know you can talk to them as well and then you basically buy their company with investor backing you keep a very large chunk, and then you have sort of this great combination of uh, a larger business, right, which has less risk to some degree than a startup. Um, and maybe you own a little bit less of it, but you get to operate it and be, you know, in the C-level, either CEO, or in my case, I'd be the COO and CTO, right? Elvin would be the CEO. How many companies are you looking at right now? Oh, I've looked at many, many hundreds. Uh, <laughs> well, let's put it this yeah. way. So you've looked at hundreds. How many are you, have you whittled it down to a select few that you say, hey, these, I got to believe there's a short list right now you're still working by which you think, hey, they may, uh, they may manifest themselves into something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, we kind of maintain like a top three and there is definitely a, a top three. We kind of focus on the top three. These deals are, are often like very complicated and there, there's a saying in the search fund community, which is that you fall in love three times, Right. And that means that, you know, your first two deals, something happens and you lose them. You know, so for example, uh, another search team or a private equity firm might just go and outbid you on the price. Uh, or you go through due diligence and you find out, and this has definitely happened to us, um, you know, it's just not as good as the uh, owner says it is. Um, and you'd be surprised at the calamities that can happen there. 
Uh, and then, you know, the third time, hopefully everything goes right and, and you go through this long multi-month due diligence process and everything goes well and, and, then, uh, and then it gets funded and, and the deal's done. I got to believe you're doing a ton of research, a ton of studying, a ton of uh, looking out for other AI companies that would be a good match with the company you're looking at acquiring. Yeah, there, well, there is. I mean, a lot of it is, you know, there, there's, there's the, the AI hits it in a few ways. One is that we're using some special sauce even just to find these companies and automate our sort of pipeline of how do we find them, how do we vet them. But honestly, we don't have that much time. We have to say, okay, this is a healthy company. It's hit our criteria, helpful in terms of AI. It's healthy. It has $2 million in EBITDA. It's growing. Uh, in terms of our expertise, you know, I'm a developer. I have some AI, some experience with AI. Elvin also worked on some. I worked on some pretty hefty big data projects. So I think that between me and Elvin, we have a very good good sense of how we're going to get there with AI. So Simon, you got to tell me, how, how does this engagement go? You knock on the door, you say, hey, I've, I've been watching your business. I think we could uh, acquire it and add AI and expand the value. Let's talk. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, it doesn't go that way because, uh, you know, to be honest with you, we're not going to. I didn't figure. I didn't yeah, figure. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, first of all, we don't, you know, we we definitely talk about some potential with a business owner. It's a pretty open and frank conversation. But, you know, we're, we're probably not going to uh, tell them every single part of our secret sauce and how we can, you know, uh, automate it and expand it so much because then the purchase price would probably go a lot higher. And how do you so, get away with that? Because if you don't tell them your secret sauce, how are they going to say, yeah, we're going to do this? They, they, they're going to have to trust you on it? What? These guys are usually in it to sell or, or girls. These are these men and women who are selling their businesses. They're often, you know, willing to sell for one reason. So it's, or already in the, it's already being sold. It's just a matter of you picking the one that you want to buy that you think that you can add value to and expand uh, or expand value and put it in a higher value position. Right. Well, well, it's, it's actually a, not quite. You know, to be honest okay. with you, we, we look at companies that haven't been sold yet where the owner hasn't thought about that. And, but the reason the owners haven't thought about that is because they don't think about the benefits right, of, of selling. Right? Uh, so for, you know, when we tell them, hey, look, you've been in this business, often the number one candidate is retiring owners. And, you know, the, and a lot of people say, well, hey, how, why is this guy who has a, making millions of dollars a year, literally millions, why would he sell it to, to you, Simon? Right? Well, the reason is that the biggest reason, to be honest, is that you, you can't, take your business with you when you die. I mean, if you're at 65 to 70, uh, and frankly, many people I've spoken to are over 65 already, you know, you have to do something to eventually sell your business, right? I mean, uh, sure, you may have, some people have a, a maybe a child they can hand it down to, but, you know, most people, their, their children don't want to get their old accounting business or whatever, right? They want to exit that business. And we put that idea in their head and we say hey listen why don't you sell to us we'll do the transition the way that you want we'll pay you a fair market value we're not in the market to look for a bargain right we want to pay fair market value for a healthy business sort of with two younger founders who have a lot of energy and good backing we can then continue growing it and taking it to the next level and a lot of people don't even think about that you know a lot of them are even stuck they may have a complicated equity structure where they have a few partners if you're a business that's doing two to three or four million dollars a year you know what a lot of times you're not big enough to get attention from private equity firms what are you going to do like where's what what exit strategy do you even have and once we start inserting that idea and talking to the founders and we really meet with them and, and we get them comfortable and we tell them they can still have a role in the company if they want they can hold on to some equity if they want they can assign shares to key employees or protect key employees uh, and we really want to make it good for everyone 
then often we sort of get to the point where it's like, okay, you know what? Uh, I'm willing to sell just by being honest brokers, get these people who have these very powerful businesses to sell to us. And that's basically the process in a nutshell. Love it. So uh, what advice do you have for, for clients that are about to embark on their first AI project relative to what you've learned? So I'd say, first of all, AI is, is going to be applied everywhere. Uh, and But I'd start small. There's no credit card or anything like that to get started. And you can build a chatbot very easily without any programming. And I'd get started with that. I mean, there's a lot of companies out there that haven't even taken the first steps of automating their basic, you know, top 10 questions. And once you do that and you see the power of it, you know, with something like Watson Assistant, then I think you'll see, oh, okay, now I get it. This is making a huge difference. And now customers get answers instantly. And I didn't even have to invest that much. Then you can start thinking about once you sort of put dip your toe in, I think you'll then see there's a lot more I can do here. No matter what company you really have, I could probably give you a whole bunch of examples. But I'd, I'd say every single company out there can benefit from AI. And it's just a matter of time. And you have to get on it soon because you don't want to be last in line where your company is basically kind of perceived as, as like the bottom rung and the one that hasn't adapted. Meanwhile, all your competitors have automated quick answers for customer support, things being done in an automated fashion, far better uh, costs when you think about the total cost of operating a business with AI and without AI. Once you've kind of gotten over those AI costs of implementation, then this is very smooth sailing and the costs are going to be a lot less. Yeah, it's kind of like I always say is is like hey, people are fearful that AI is going to take over the world and it will in its own way, uh, but not like the Terminator. But what will happen is those that have it are going to differentiate themselves from those that don't. I think that's what you're saying. Uh, I hope you continue to reach out to me on a personal level because I, I want to see and uh, watch you as you you make your big break here. And I know you will. You've already done it once, man. Doing it again is, is, is nothing. So where can listeners go to uh, get more information or learn more about what you're working on? Again, I think you said it earlier. We'll put it in the show notes. But if you could say it again, that'd be great. Yeah, so just, just go to levianpartners.com. And, and then if you want to just learn about us or if you know of somebody who may have a business and they're retiring, we'd love to look at that. Or if you want to invest, um, then you can click the invest link. And it's very simple to get involved. All right, we're going to finish with a quick game, right? Underrated, overrated, okay? All right, so you, you got to pick one side or the other, and you know, like one sentence uh, as to why you made the pick. Good. Sure. Let's do it. All right, entrepreneurship. Uh, way overrated. Way overrated. <laughs> There's a lot. First of all, corporate jobs are actually a lot better than you think. Uh, you have a large community of friends and coworkers and, and talent. And it's just a very roller coaster in nature, right? I mean, we were working on a deal two months ago, which seemed great, and then it fell apart. And, and, and this happens whether you're a startup, a search fund, it's a massive roller coaster and not everybody uh, wants to, to do that. It's, it's over glamorized. And I think most startup founders will agree. All right, so the next one is kind of, it may be too, much, too related, but startups. Oh, way overrated. So same thing. <laughs> I mean, you know, again, I mean, that's why we chose a search fund. I mean, why eat ramen noodles? That's well, maybe you like ramen noodles, man. If, if you, you like ramen noodles, Startup Land is for you. However, you have to really like ramen noodles. Yeah. Okay, got it. Well, here's a little different twist related to the first two, but owning your own company could be different. Oh, that's, I'd say that's still overrated, but, but there's a lot of advantages, you know, you say all pretty, these are overrated and you're yeah. doing them all multiple times. Because, you know what, uh, after you run a company for a while, half a decade, 
you learn how to how to uh, enjoy it and some of the rules to enjoy it. But I would say that takes a long time, right? At first, small things stress you out, and then afterwards, it's like, oh, wait a minute, I can sort of get somebody to handle that and and delegate it. Um, but I would say that you know it takes a long time to learn how to enjoy running a business. You do it because of the adrenaline at first, and then and then afterwards, you know, there's a certain acclimatization. All right, be easy on this one. IBM. Oh, way underrated. First of all, if you don't believe it's underrated, check out IBM Cloud and try some of the uh, the light offerings. DB2 on cloud being awesome in particular. Also, Watson Assistant, especially if you aren't a programmer. I mean, IBM. You know, we all know at IBM we don't we don't get a, a fair share of of uh, attention in the market. Our technologies are lesser known than our competitors, and that's really not fair. So I think IBM is a great company and definitely. See definitely now you're using the word "our." I like it. Oh yikes! <laughs> oh, I didn't mean to do that. No, um, that's but, good. That's good. See, you're part of the family again. I like it. AI. So I'm, I'm alumni. Oh, wait. That's that's overrated. Yeah. Well, it's overrated. You're basing your whole premise, your your business on this. Yeah, but you know what? Sometimes, being, see, being a skeptic is how you're most likely to succeed, right? I don't like surprises. <laughs> I know that starting a business is going to be a ton of work and absolute hell and heart attacks. Like, I know that. <laughs> And that way, I can I can see like knowing what's, what's going to happen to me, right? Uh, and I know that there's actually a light at the end of the tunnel, a huge, a huge light at the end of the tunnel if, if I succeed. And AI, same. I mean, we all know AI is hard to implement. The ROI is 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 there, uh, but a lot of people don't like moving in small steps, and and we see that all the time. And then you know, and then they end up with uh, there's a bit of a broken promise. Yeah, there you go. All right, DB two. Oh, way underrated, as you know. I mean, there's. There's so much functionality in that database people don't even know about. And if anybody wants to try that who's on the call, just give the uh, DB2 on Cloud Light Plan a try. And uh, try Time Travel Query a lot and, and our columnar, the columnar uh, warehousing. You know, there's a lot of good stuff there, a lot of gems. Safe audience, but I love the answers. Hey, two more. Behavioral sciences. Don't know too much about behavioral sciences, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip. You're going to pass? All right, yeah. Canada. Oh, Canada's Canada. awesome. Yeah. You can't go wrong with Canada. I mean, I can't even think of what's <laughs> so wrong So I presume it's underrated? Way underrated. The weather the weather is a little cold, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, snow, I shoveled a lot of snow this week. That took away from your, your, your business exploits. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Anyway. <laughs> All oh, right. I Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, don't, Simon. Don't be afraid. Yeah. So anybody out there who's listening, don't, you know, don't be afraid to start a company. Just... Whatever last advice I'll say to any of the, anybody who is going to do a startup, go to an incubator. Don't sit in your own basement. You need, uh, you know, you need to get out there, connect with investors, and that happens through your local incubator or, or business uh, accelerator. So, so just in summary, entrepreneurship overrated, startups overrated, oh, yeah. owning your own company overrated. Yeah. Although Simon's doing them all, and incubator do that. Though Simon isn't doing it. Uh, just do what he says, not what he does, folks. That's what, that's the moral of today's story. <laughs> it is. All right, man. Hey, Simon, thank you for being on. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. And for everybody, again, thank you for listening. Any comments, questions, concerns, if you'd like to be a guest, please hit us on almartintalksdata.gmail.com. Uh, but for now, uh, thank you again, and uh, we'll see you on the podcast. See you. All right. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to the Making Data Simple podcast, where we make data fun. Be sure to visit ibmbigdatahub.com forward slash podcasts to access the show notes and uncover even more great episodes. Remember, the views expressed here are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily represent the views of IBM. Until next time, let's go over and out. Oh, 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 oh,